Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. How you doing, 11 o'clock? Good to see you. That's solid. Way to be. Uh, for those of you who are here and those who are gathered in our overflow space, oh, it's so good to be back home. It's good to be back home in this building. We've been on a little bit of a field trip the last couple of weeks as we've been doing some renovation and construction around here. So welcome back to this building. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I'm so excited to be with you. I had uh, surgery, ACL surgery, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, and so I know a lot of you have been uh, asking about that and praying for me. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you very much. I know a lot of you have been asking about what this means for my future career in the MMA. <laughs> it's slowing it down, okay, but it's one step at a time, one step at a time, so we're just going to figure that one out. Uh, but I- I'm excited to kick off a brand new teaching series here for the month of June. We're in a teaching series called The B Team, and we're going to look at often untold stories from the Bible, Stories that I believe will absolutely inspire you, but they're of everyday ordinary people that you might not have ever even heard of before, who are actually empowered by God to do extraordinary things with their ordinary lives. And I want us as the course of this whole month to consider your ordinary life and what God might want to do in and through you. So it's perfect timing that you are here today. Can you remember what it was and how old you were when you found out that you were good at something? How old were you when you found out you were actually good at something, that you were good, maybe a good student? Maybe you found out you were a good student. And how old were you? Some of you were shaking your heads. Okay, well, you know, not all of us are great students. It's okay, it's okay. Maybe you found out you were great at a certain sport. Maybe you found out that you were a great artist or, or writer. You found out that you were good at something. Do you remember how old you were? You know what's so crazy is there's a lot of stuff that you are doing right now in your life you can actually trace back to that moment. When someone told you or you finally believed or you recognized or acknowledged, I'm actually pretty good at this and I like doing this and I'm good at this. I was listening to uh, an interview with Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, and I listened to an interview with him this last week and he's telling stories about how he got to where he's at today. And he very, in a like, non-bragging way, just kind of normal nonchalant way, he was telling the story about how he built his first video game. That's kind of where, that's the first thing, a piece of tech he ever built was a video game. He built a snowball throwing video game for his sisters. And he's talking about, you know, when I built my first video game, and I was like, I haven't even built a video game, let alone <laughs> many to have a first. And he's like, yeah, I did that for my sisters. And he's like, I guess I, yeah, I guess I was like nine years old when I did that. <laughs> then he went on to explain how he built an infrastructure system for his dad's business Uh, that allowed them to chat with each other in real time and share files among all the different people that worked for his dad's business. And he called it Zucknet. Terrible name. I just want to, I'm glad that they evolved. This is before AOL Instant Messenger. This is before chat. This is before any of those things. He just created it on his own for his dad's business. And then they started using it in their house to kind of communicate and keep up with stuff in their house. He was 11 years old when he invented that. Nothing like that had ever existed before. So it's safe to say, Mark Zuckerberg, good at computers, right? We could probably say, (laughs) safe to say, probably pretty good at that. So what about you? What, What is it that you are good at? And question to consider, what do you do with the things that you do well? What are you doing with the things that you actually do well? Now, some folks end up, making their job or a career out of the things that they're good at. That's great. If you can align those things together and they get to spend the rest of their life doing things that they're good at. For lots of folks, more folks than that, 
often what we do is we find hobbies or outlets, uh, you know, passion projects to kind of pursue to work those things out, to keep doing what we're good at, even if you don't get paid for it. My hunch is maybe you have a few of those. But what I've found over my life is that the majority of people, most people do very little with what they're very good at. Most people do very, very little with what they're very, very good at. What do you do with what you do well? Now, here's the deal. We may not know each other super well, but I actually know this about you. You are good at something. I know you are. You are good at some things. I know you are. You actually are. In fact, you're great at some things. More than maybe you even realize. Now, before you sit in that too long and let it go to your head, <laughs> let me just remind you, nobody is good at everything. True? Maybe you've worked for a boss who thought they were. Nobody is good at everything. But nobody is good at nothing. Everybody is good at something. God has given you special talents and abilities and passions and pursuits that are, you're actually good at them. Some of you are really great when it comes to math or when it comes to finance. It's, you don't even think about it. Spreadsheets are your love language. You don't, even, you don't even think about it. You're so good at it, you don't even think about it. Some of you are great with kids and you're fantastic with kids and just your whole life, whether you even have kids or don't, you've just always been good with kids. Some of you are great writers. You're a fantastic writer. And maybe no one else knows that, but you actually do. You love to write and you're good at it. Some of you are great when it comes to design. Some of you are great leaders, strategic thinkers. You're really, you can just problem solve. You can see the way through immediately. Some of you are great with people. You're a people person. You're just naturally great with people. Some of you uh, aren't, and that's okay. <laughs> There's a lot of room in this church for all, everyone's welcome. Well, you know, we just, not everyone is. Some of you are really good at technical things. You're really great just kind of thinking in those kind of details, that way of thinking technically with your hands. Some of you are great at building things. You can build just about or fix just about anything. Some of you are great at building creative and beautiful environments. Some of you are great chefs and cooks and bakers. Do you know the thing that you're good at? And the question is, are you doing anything with it? Do you know the things that you're good at? And are you doing anything with it? Because what I want us to look at today is just really one simple question for you to consider. And I hope it's one that you continue to reflect on, not only over the course of this time, but through the course of this next week. What if you could do, what if you could do great things with the things that you're good at? Like, what if you could do great things with the things that you're actually already good at, so much so, in fact, that you don't even really think about it. What if you could do great things? And I'm talking bigger than like a hobby. I'm talking bigger than a job. I'm talking bigger than you. Great things that will outlive you. Great things that actually echo throughout eternity. What if you could do great things with the things that you're already actually good at? I want to tell you a story from the Bible today that possibly, quite possibly, you've never heard before. But it's one I don't think you're soon going to forget. It's about a B-team player. It is not an A-lister. 
This is someone whose name is like way down in the credits, all right? Maybe never even heard their name before, but it's someone who did great things that God used to do great things with what they were already actually good at. So just quick kind of context here. Raise your hand if you know who Moses is. Raise your hand if you know who Moses is. Probably everyone here knows who Moses is, right? Okay, we all know who Moses is. Moses, A-lister, right? <laughs> Spiritual Hall of Fame, everyone knows who Moses is, right? He's the goat. I mean, everyone loves him, right? So we get it. We got it. All right, so everyone knows Moses, but do you know, have you heard of a contemporary of his, someone that lived and, and worked right alongside of him, named Bezalel? You ever heard the story of Bezalel? See, very, very few people have heard this story, which is why I'm so excited to share it with you today. Bezalel was a B-team player. It's probably why you haven't even heard his story before, and it's actually found in the book of Exodus. So I want you to grab a Bible. If you brought one with you, or you got it on your phone, fantastic. If not, look what our volunteers have done. They've already put a Bible right in front of you, in the seat in front of you. So whether you're here or in our overflow space, grab one of the gray Bibles in front of you, grab a pen. We're going to take a few notes, do a little reflection on our own lives, and we're going to hear the story of Bezalel. It's in Exodus 31, page 60 in the Gray Bible. That'll help get you there a little quicker. Page 60 in the Gray Bible, Exodus 31. Let me give you some context to where we're coming at in the story of Bezalel. This is in the time of Moses. God had recently, at this point in the story, delivered the people of Israel out of captivity, out of slavery in Egypt, and was delivering them to a promised land that he had promised them for many, many years but they weren't there yet. They were still in the wilderness. God had part of the sea for them to escape the Egyptians. God had provided manna for them when they were walking through the wilderness and had no food. God provided food and sustenance for them. God had given them the 10 commandments and the many other laws that God gave them right at this point. And God had given them a leader in a man named Moses. But what God was about to do was something that Moses was unable to do. God wanted to give the people of God a place to worship him a way to worship him, a spiritual home in the desert. And so God gives Moses the idea for this thing called the tabernacle, which was really the predecessor to the temple, or even the easiest way to think about it, is a church. Never existed before in history. And God says, I want to build a tabernacle, a place where my people will know that my presence is with them at all times. And all they have to do is look to the tent, to the tabernacle, to know that God is actually with them. He gives Moses incredibly specific and elaborate plans and details, but there's only one problem. Who's going to build it? Who's going to build this thing? That's where Bezalel comes in. Exodus 31, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, they're having a conversation. The Lord said to Moses, see I have, and I want you to pay attention to that because it pops up here in a little bit. I have, that means God has already. I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. See what... God says to Moses there over and over, I have, I have. So that means God has already been at work, that there's nothing that surprises God. He's actually already been at work. And he says, I have this person named Bezalel, and I have already gifted him, and I've given him my spirit. My presence is with him. He has spiritual insight, and I've given him wisdom, and I've given him knowledge, and I've given him understanding. And the text says in that last little phrase, do you see that? And I've given him all kinds of 
skills. I've given them all kinds of skills. What kinds of skills? Nunchuck skills and bow hunting skills and computer hacking skills, all kinds of skills. Actually, the text says something different. Verse four, let's keep moving on. It says these are the kind of skills he gave him. To make what? To make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Bezalel is an artist. He's an artist. An artist wandering through the wilderness. An artist wondering if he would ever be able to do what he is so good at. If he'd ever be able to do great things with the things that he was already good at. The text says that he worked in all kinds of different mediums. He's history's first mixed media artist. He really uses all kinds of things. And I love that it says at the end of that verse in verse five, that he's able to engage in all kinds of what? All kinds of crafts. That means dude definitely had an Etsy page back in the day making that money. Bezalel was an artist in the middle of the desert and God was about to use him to change history, but I want you to really like walk in his sandals for a second, if you would. Imagine you are this artist and you have spent most of your life in captivity. And odds are the place that he honed his skills, where he got great at the things that he's good at, was in Egypt, where he was probably tasked with building all kinds of statues and monuments to Pharaoh and to gods that he didn't believe in or worship, but he had all of the tools and all of the resources at his disposal that he could ever possibly need. So that is where he honed his craft, but now he's left that. God has delivered him from that, and he's in the middle of the wilderness. And you gotta wonder, if you're Bezalel, if you're ever going to be able to give yourself to things like that ever again, there's no more projects to design in the desert. No more artistic endeavors to give yourself to. You're wondering if you'll ever be able to do anything with the thing that you are so good at. If anyone ever felt like they were on the B team, it was Bezalel. Until God puts him in the game. Now, I just want to say a word. I want to say a word to all of my creative brothers and sisters, all of the artists in this space, all of you who are good at working with all kinds of different mediums and writing and singing and dancing and painting and poetry, all the artists, all the designers, all of you creative folk in here, I just want you to hear a word. Here we have a hero of the story and he's an artist and they needed him. God had gifted him, but notice and pay attention to the fact that Bezalel was needed to build the tabernacle. Moses didn't do it. Moses was a leader. Moses was great at leading. God took his good leadership and did great things through it. But Moses wasn't an artist. Moses needed Bezalel. Israel needed Bezalel. And artists creative, thinking, expressing folks of this church, we need you. We need you. You may have thought when it came to your gifts and God that you're kind of wandering through the desert yourself, wondering if there's ever a place to contribute and give your gifts to God and to this world in a meaningful and significant way. You've come to the right place. We need you, because that's what God does. He takes ordinary, everyday people like you and me and does extraordinary 
things through them. As we're about to see here in a second, God does extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and me. Extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and me. God always gives you exactly what you need to do the impossible thing he's invited you to do. He always gives you exactly what you need to do the impossible thing that he's invited you to do, even in the middle of the desert where there are no resources, there are no tools, all for God's glory and so that you would have a better story. And on top of that, God gives Bezalel a partner and a team. God fills out the roster. Look at verse six. Moreover, God says to Moses, moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan. You guys already know all about them. To help him. Also, I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. God says, I've already got him a partner in Aholiab. I've already got him a team to work with him. I've already provided everything he's going to need to do the impossible thing that I'm inviting him to do. And that's exactly what they do. They set out to create the tabernacle, this place of worship, and all the elements that went inside of it. These were beautiful and incredibly spiritually significant works. They served as a reminder to the people of God of the presence of God with them. For years and years, their work would serve as this sort of living testimony, this living reminder of God's love and God's blessing and God's favor and God's faithfulness to an entire nation. And they turned out to be masterful works of art and design and form and function and significance and symbolism. They included things like the Ark of the Covenant. You've heard of the Ark of the Covenant? Let me put it this way. You've seen Indiana Jones. You know about the Ark of the Covenant. So this is an artist's rendering given the specifications that God had given to Moses and to Bezalel. Someone kind of tried to recreate this. It's a beautiful piece. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, it served a purpose. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. That's where the Ten Commandments were actually kept, as well as Aaron's rod that God had performed one of the first miracles that Moses ever saw and got to be a part of, as well as a jar that held manna that had fallen that God had provided for them from heaven heaven to sustain them inside the ark was reminder after reminder after reminder of God's presence and his faithfulness. And every time they would think about the ark, they would remember that God is with us and for us. They created the altar of incense. And the altar of incense was burnt twice daily in the morning and in the evening, during morning prayer and evening prayer. And it served as a symbol to the people of God, when they would be praying, they would look up, they would smell the incense, they would see this smoke rising to heaven, and it served as a reminder to them that God hears our prayers. Our prayers rise up into the presence of God. And every time that incense was lit, and every time they saw that smoke, they were reminded of God's faithfulness. They built the lampstand that served as a reminder of God's light and direction in their lives. They built the tabernacle, the tent itself, and the little camp that surrounded it. They even built the robes that the priests would wear inside the tabernacle. And again, it didn't come from Moses. It didn't come from Abraham. It came from a couple of B-team players named Bezalel and Aholiab, because that's what God does. He does extraordinary things through ordinary people, great things through things that these guys were already good at. And did you know that principle of what God does, extraordinary things through ordinary people? Do you know that 
already today, you've actually already experienced that. You've already witnessed and experienced and benefited from God doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. Think about it. When you walked in here today, someone greeted you at the door, didn't they? And we put our people people at the doors to greet people. (laughs) We've tried it the other way. It doesn't work. So you put people, people at the doors to greet you. There was someone who loves coffee. They love creating coffee. And some of you are drinking coffee. Some of you went all in and got a nice pour over today from our coffee folks at the coffee bar. And they poured that for you because they love creating that experience for you to feel welcome and wanted when you come here. Someone probably walked you in and helped you find a seat either here or in our overflow space. There are people who are good with people who already made you feel great about being here today, didn't they? And if you have a kid and you brought your kid or your kids with you here today, then you walked in and walked up that beautiful grand staircase up into Soul City Kids, and there were people up there who are great with kids. Again, we've tried it the other way. It doesn't work. You got to really love kids to do Soul City Kids, and they love your kids, and they loved seeing you when you walked up there today, and they are there today as a support to you as a parent. And right now, they're lovingly leading your kids And they're telling them about Jesus. They're partnering with you. And your kids are going to grow up with the love of God in their heart. And it maybe, just maybe, will spare them from all the stupid things you did in college. (laughs) Because some folks who are good with kids said, I'll show up. I'll get in the game. I'm not going to sit by and watch You think about when we came in here today and we worshiped God through song together. Isn't that an amazing? Patrick's new song is absolutely amazing. He just keeps writing great songs. You know, other than Patrick on this stage every week, you know, there's not a professional musician up here. No one else gets paid up here. They're all volunteers. They're people who are good with guitars. They're great with singing. They're great with keyboards. They're great on the drums. And they create a a beautiful unbelievable transformational experience in worship every week here. And most of them don't do that for a living. They don't have jobs where they're professional drummers. They just said, I know I'm good at this. And so I want to do great things with God. And the only reason that you were actually able to hear them and see them today is because there's people who are really good at technical things back behind you in the booth. They don't even want you to see them. They go all the way to the back of the room because they don't want you to think about them because they want to do such a great job that you never have to think about the lights and the sound and the video. All they want you to think about is Jesus and have a transformational experience with him. Aren't you glad that people who are good with technical things are created? in a space for us every single week. And all throughout the week, all throughout the week, people keep getting in the game, people who are good at design, people who are great at finances, people who are great with human resources, just kind of get in the game and get in the game and show up long before you and I ever got here and did something great with what they're good at. Aren't you glad they did? People like Tyler, people like... Hannah and Joel and Sharice and Lazarus and Marvin, aren't you glad that they're just ordinary people? Not a single one of them are rock stars. I know them all. They're not rock stars. I know them all. They're just ordinary people that God's doing extraordinary things through. I could go on and on and on. People like Teresa and Aaron and Lydia and Andrew, Mary Pat and Steve, 
Audrey, Cynthia, I could go on and on and on. Ezra, Connor, Brianna, Mike, Lynn, and Lindsay, Shola, Melvi, I could go on and on and on and on. Why? Because these are people who are good at something and decided they wanted God to do something great with that thing. And I'm so glad that they did. And did you know because of some B-team players just like them, because of them and so many more like them, that hundreds and hundreds, even thousands and thousands of people are finding and following Jesus because of their faithfulness and just showing up and getting in the game. Did you know that generations are being shaped by folks who are upstairs, thousands of kids, their lives are being changed and shaped and transformed by Jesus forever because some people who are great with kids keep showing up week after week, who are great with students keep showing up week after week after week. Do you know that hundreds of people, thousands of people are finding community, biblical community, are finding a circle of friends to share their life with because some small group leader said, I'll show up, I'll I'll show up, you can come to my house. We'll read this book together. We'll share our lives with each other. I'll provide spiritual sacred space for you. And people are finding friendships, some of which will last them a lifetime. Do you know, do you know that because just ordinary everyday B-team players keep showing up here every week, people come to church here just like you and they end up making some friends and they end up finding someone that they fall in love with and they end up marrying that person and then they end up having kids and stocking the pond upstairs in Soul City Kids. All of that happens because some people open the doors and said, we'll get in the game. Do you know that there are hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of people whose lives will be healed and restored and recovery is actually going to become a part of their story? Because ordinary people said, I believe in the God of second chances and I know my life and I know what God's done for me. And so why wouldn't I want to love and serve those who've hit the bottom, those who've hit a wall? Do you know that our Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of homeless brothers and sisters, people like you and me who find themselves homeless for whatever reason, who are finding someone to walk with them and show them love and dignity and care. That there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of students who have been forgotten and neglected by our educational system who are finding tutors and mentors and coaches all from ordinary, everyday B-team players like you and me. Can you imagine if Bezalel and Aholiab had decided to just sort of play it safe, to just sort of sit on their hands, sit in the stands, and just sort of watch the game happen. Do you, think, do you think we'd be telling their story today? Do you think we'd be telling their story today? See, far too many people spend far too much of their lives sitting in the stands, watching, even receiving, but rarely contributing to what God's doing in the world. And maybe it's because they believe this myth that they're not like really, really good at something, or they're not a rock star or superstar, or they're not as talented or gifted, or they don't have as much time as other people, whatever the story may be, for whatever reason, they end up spending the majority of their lives in the stands, missing out on what God is doing in and through ordinary people like you and me. And I may not know you that well, but my hunch is 
that that's not the story you want to be told of your life, that you were really good at watching what God did in the world, that you were his number one fan, but that you yourself never got in the game and started doing something great with the things that you're actually good at. I don't want that to be said of me. I don't think you want that to be said of you. I'd rather be on the B team than be another someone sitting in the stands. I'd rather be on the freshman scrub team that never gets a minute of play than being another person sitting up in the stands watching what God is doing in the world. I'd much rather get in the game. And my hunch is you would too. See, that's the deal. Sitting in the stands, that was never God's plan for you. Sitting in the stands was actually never God's plan to be a spectator of what he's doing in the world. He has gifted you. He's given you all kinds of abilities and passions. He's given you wisdom and knowledge and understanding. More than that, he's poured out, generously poured out his spirit to you. He's made you good at things. Don't you want to do something great with that? Well, I want to show you what it looks like for an ordinary person to just say yes to God and to start using what they're good at to do some really great things. He's actually someone I knew in college many, many years ago. Some of you weren't even born when we were friends and known each other through years, lost touch. Uh, but exactly one year ago, my friend Alex showed up on our groundbreaking Sunday here at Soul City Church for the first time and decided on that day to get in the game. And I'd love for you to hear his story. So can you welcome my friend Alex Morales up to the stage? Morning, Alex. How are you? Yes, good. Good to see you. I would love, so we've known each other for a while, but I'd, I'd love for you to, to tell everyone what it is that, that you do. What is it that you're good at? Because you are great at it, but what is it that you do? Well, we mainly work in gold, silver, and bronze. Oh, okay. So, so we're good. good. You're good at gold, silver, and bronze. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, you build tabernacles. Yeah, tabernacles great. in the desert. Great, great, great. Um, no, we, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to own a small design, uh, design build company which means that I have a small crew, seven guys and one boss lady. That, I, got, I uh, got one of those too. I got one of those um, too. That, uh, and we build custom, custom furniture. We do uh, interiors for restaurants, hotels, festivals. Uh, you name it, we can, we can do it. So all over the city and well beyond the city, right, right. there's work that you've created. Some will say, hey, can we have this? And you just figure out how to make it right. and install it. Some of it temporary, some of it permanent, some still up it. all over the place. And, and it all comes out of your warehouse that right. you own. Right. So Alex owns this warehouse on the west side, this workshop. And our team loves going over there because your warehouse is, you describe it as... So it's a madhouse. It's, it's a madhouse. It's, a madhouse. <laughs> it's literally just piles of doors and piles of chairs and just anything and every... I think the Ark of the Covenant may be in your warehouse. You might want to look for it in there. It's controlled chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's controlled. controlled chaos. That's exactly what. So you showed up here a year ago exactly a year ago this weekend, uh, I'd love for you to share with us what it was that drew you here a year ago. What, what got you here in the first place? Well, the interesting part about it is that about six months before we came, uh, I just started having this feeling in my heart and started praying and struggling with the fact that I really needed to start doing something different, something more. Mm. Uh, and I didn't know what it was, and I just was just struggling with it and praying about it. I come from a family of pastors and preachers, mm. But that wasn't really my call. 
Mm. But I was feeling that what I had, with the talents that I had, I needed to do something more. Mm. Um, that just kind of happened. And then through Facebook, I started seeing something about Soul City Church. Some friends of mine that were just random friends from different walks of life. Mm. Um, so one day I just woke up and I called Alicia, my girlfriend. I said, we're going to go to Soul City Church. And she's like, oh, okay. That's, that's fine. So now, right now, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right now, it was, it was very random, and she was like, "Do you know anybody there?" I'm like, "No, not really. Just we're gonna go." So we came, and then that Sunday was the Sunday of the groundbreaking, and it was just a, a custom service for me. You know, mm -hmm. I've been praying and thinking, and then the situation was like, "Okay, you want to work? You want to do something? Here's something you can do." That's so we were. I was very touched. I was very challenged by it. So that day we planted our little flags in the ground like everybody mm -hmm. else, and mm -hmm. we've been here since then. That's amazing. I mean, you literally put a flag and a right. stake in the ground and said, we're in. And you have been. I mean, I've loved having you and Alicia here and uh, getting to reconnect this last year. What's it been like for you, and how is it that you have taken what you are so good at and begun to do great things here? What, what, what are, what's that looked like, and what's that meant for you? Well, I think I remember a meeting that I, I had with Jeannie uh, after that meeting. And I said, listen, we have a shop. And what I want is our, my shop to be the church shop. Mm -hmm. So whatever we need, whatever you guys need, if we have it, mm, we so just cool. can do it. So we started having meetings and getting phone calls from people. We need this, we need that. So we help with, uh, with Christmas, with mm -hmm. Easter. Mm -hmm. And right now we're planning to work with the uh, with the camp, kids camp, with the summer. kids camp, yeah. and then just you know trying to be as small, uh, do as more as we can uh, in the next in next uh, yeah. in the next building. The next building, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. So you're already at work thinking and, right. and planning and creating. Um, I have to, all sorts of stuff that I want to use over there. So. Yeah, you got a warehouse right. full of, of stuff, right. and it really is the plan is, that Alex is putting together with his team is to create all these little spaces in our transformation center for people to connect, for people to reflect, to have a moment with God, and to use what you're so good at to do something great for people to have a space. They may never know you, but they'll be impacted by what you contributed right. and what you did. And I, I love that, Alex. I love that after some time of kind of wandering that right. God has brought you right. into this church home and that you have a greater purpose. We're grateful for it. Uh, and I'm so glad that you're back in our lives. And I I think what's really funny, though, we didn't tell this part. I think what's really funny is so we knew each other, you know, Jeannie you, and knew each other right. more, but I knew you a little bit in college. And, um, but you didn't know that we were the, when you showed up that first Sunday, you had no idea no. that Jeannie and I were the pastors no. of this church. We thought you were just, we're coming to church and was happy that you guys found your way back to church. <laughs> and, uh... I mean, we, right. you prayed us back in, Alex. Right, I yeah, appreciate it. We were, woo, we were going on, so. Yeah. I love that. So you had no idea that we got to reconnect. That's so fun. So can we thank Alex and just great for Great job, buddy. I love that. I love it. I'm so grateful for Alex and Alicia. I'm so grateful for so many others like you, Alex. Uh, and I just want to say a word as I wrap up here. I just want to say a word to all of you who have decided to get in the game, to stop spectating and to say, yeah, okay, I'll, here's what I'm good at. Is, is, would this help? To all of you who serve and to volunteer and who give of your time, you give of your energy, you give of your resources, you give of yourself, thank you. I mean, how could I possibly, how could Gene and I possibly say enough? Thank you. Thank you for what you do, what you uniquely do. We're so grateful for how God has given you knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Thank you 
for bringing that to bear in this church and in this world. And I hope that you receive from God as you give as much as we do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if for whatever reason you have yet to sort of get in the game and, and start being a part of the great things that God is doing with the things that you're already actually good at, I just want to encourage you, what do you like, what are you, what are you waiting for? What's the, what reason or excuse? Yeah, this is what God loves to do. He takes B-team players, ordinary people, like Alex, like me, like you. He takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. And so I don't know what it is you're good at, but I know that you do. And so what are you going to do with what God has made you so good at? I want to give you some homework. We always give homework at the end of our time here together. I just want to give you a simple challenge. You can actually get your homework done before you leave the building today. The homework is to talk to one of our next volunteers that are out in the lobby. You can find them. They have signs and shirts. And here's the deal. They're great at helping people do great things. They're really great at helping people like you take the things you're already good at and do great things and contribute here in this church and beyond this church. And so I'd encourage you today to find them. If there's a line to speak with them and you can email us here at the church, but don't sit on it. Don't sit on your hands. Don't sit in the stands because Jeannie said it so eloquently, so perfectly. We're at a new starting line for our church. We're about to walk into an incredible new season of God's faithfulness and favor and it's gonna take all hands on deck. And if you're wondering like, oh, you know, I don't even know if they need me. It seems like they got it all figured out. We need you. We absolutely need you. We need your unique contribution. We aren't who we are without you showing up and being who God made you to be. We need you. But listen to this. You need this more than you even know. To have that sense of purpose and meaning and giving yourself to something bigger than yourself. We need this. And so I'd love to pray for you as you consider what that's going to look like for you. And so I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. You can close out the Bible and we take a posture of prayer around here that I think is so fitting and so perfect as we close out in worship today. We take a posture of open hearts and open hands. And so if it helps you to do that, to open your hands and close your eyes and just think about as something's been burning inside of you, man, I'm good at this. I don't, God, what would you want to do with this thing that you've made me good at? I just want to pray for you as we do. So Jesus, I thank you that this is how you've set it all up, that we get to come home and have relationship with you, that God, you have already said yes to us. And then what we come to find is you've already given gifts to us, that you've already enabled us to do things well beyond anything we could ever imagine. So Jesus, thank you that you made it all possible. Thank you that we have a mission greater than ourselves in this world. Thank you that we get to have fun, that there's joy in doing this. And so God, I pray that you would stir up new dreams, that you'd stir up deep desires, that there would be an outpouring of who you've already made us to be, what you've already poured into our lives, that we would pour it all out, that we would lay it all down for you, God, and that great things would be done in this church and in this city and around the world because of ordinary, everyday people like us. Thank you, God, for this incredible B-team story today. And God, we want to be a part of the story you're writing with our own life. So help us to do that, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.